laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? We should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Murs and David Horning on this week's episode. Be honest, uh, be specific, um, and be specific. Most importantly, be specific about your feelings about the situation. If you do that, people will relate to it. If you tell, you know, if you have a crazy story about, you know, how you, I don't know, killed a man in high school, if you tell what you felt about it, people will be compelled. Yeah. Rather than just telling a stupid story about, you know, whatever. I made a touchdown in high school. Like, you got to find a way to make that story interesting to other people. Why? That, that's basically what it is. It's like, figure out what's interesting to you about it and mm-hmm. find a way to get that information from your brain to somebody else's brain. Hey, this is David from You Can't Laugh at That. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast and if you found value in any of the episodes or if you've laughed even once, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Now, these conversations we have with all these awesome comedians typically last about two hours. So there's so much footage we have to cut from every single episode and we hate that we have to cut it and we don't want it to disappear into the ether, which is why we edit it together into exclusive clips. Some episodes, they're 15 minutes, a half hour of extra footage. Other episodes, it's a little bit shorter. Either way, if you enjoy listening to You Can't Laugh at That, join our Patreon for exclusive access. And thanks for listening to our podcast and supporting comedy, because no matter how weird times get, remember that you can laugh at that. We're trying to figure out date night. We love each other very much. We're still... You know, we're still talking, still asking each other questions. And she asked me a question that she's never asked me before. She said, who'd you go to prom with? And I said, uh, I was too afraid to ask anybody in high school. I was a shy kid, really scared, so I went to prom by myself. I didn't ask anybody. And my best friend Blake was too afraid to ask anybody, so he went to prom by himself. And Blake asked me for a ride to prom. And when I told her that, it was the first time I realized I went to prom with a dude. And that whole night started making so much more sense. Because I thought everybody was congratulating me for being so brave to go solo. But they all just thought I was gay. So I'm on the dance floor and people are coming up to me like, Oh my God, I'm so glad you came out. I'm like, I know, me too. (laughs) We always knew that I'm a lone wolf, sure. It's a weird time for me in high school. I was a, I was a, a weird, awkward kid, very introverted, and uh, I was a religious kid, too. I was the creepy religious kid, I think, in my high school, which you never want to be. Uh, I didn't uh, have lunch with any of my friends. We didn't have the same lunch periods. So instead of eating alone, I would go in my car and read the Bible by myself. <laughs> Like, nothing makes you look more like a school shooter than doing religion by yourself. Like, it's creepy. 
it was a sad time for me. (laughs) (laughs) Who you heard right there was our guest on today's episode of You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast where we take topics that aren't funny and talk about why they are funny. Joining us, as always, is, of course, Steve Mers. Steve, hello. hello. How are we? Uh, I'm good. Uh, my cat, I think, is good. Probably, I put a plant over here, so she's going to be going after that the, the entirety of this episode. So, um, yeah, that's very exciting. That's like the most exciting thing that's happened in quarantine. And uh, also joining us today, the voice you just heard was our guest, Christian Duran. Christian, how goes it? Hey, thanks for having me. It's going well. Good to see you guys. I appreciate you having me. I'm very happy to be here. Absolutely, man. Um, Christian, of course, uh, is a New York City comedian. He's been featured at festivals all over the country. He's been a a semi-finalist in the New York Comedy Festival's annual New York's Funniest Competition. In 2016, he released the debut episode of your animated cartoon show, Future Hall of Famers. It screened at several film festivals. And and last year, your debut album, King Latifah, came out and uh, hit that number one, that coveted number one spot on iTunes. We made it. Quite a journey you've you've been on over the last (laughs) few years, huh? Yes, this is my inside the actor studio moment now. Yes. And then there was King Latifah. <laughs> <laughs> Critically uh, acclaimed. <laughs> simmering. Your simmering portrayal of a comedian, of an introverted weirdo in high school. And uh, yeah, you, you, you summarize that very well uh, in that point, eating lunch in your car in high school. How did that, did that play into your becoming a comedian? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this topic of high school and uh, I always had, I always just liked being funny and having funny friends. Um, I was never like popular, obviously. Like I was like really invisible in high school. And, um, I remember, uh, I had a a friend who was like, I had a friend who was like on the football team and I had nerdier friends that had like friends in different echelons of the high school strata. But, um, but like none of them like hung out with each other. So I remember two of them after high school, like had just bumped into each other and they were talking and then they had relayed this story to me. They said that they ended up talking about me and they said, Oh, he's like a, uh, like a really awesome indie band <laughs> and uh, <laughs> of a person. And I was uh, like, Oh, that kind of like, kind of like makes sense of like, as a dude, it's just like, yeah, nobody knows me, but like, if you do, you'll be rewarded. <laughs> and, uh, as arrogant as that sounds, I was like, that kind of sums it up. But I always felt like, yeah, like I'm like pretty funny. I don't know if I'm like hilarious, but then, um, I was in college and I started doing these like uh, creative writing classes. Mm. And then one of them, like a couple of them, you had to do personal essays. So I just wrote stories about my life and uh, I would, you know, we would workshop them and you would get back notes and then people would just write on my paper, like hilarious. This is so funny. This is so funny. And I was like, I feel like I've always been pretty funny. Like, I don't, let me try it out. Like I was like, let me go to an open mic and uh, just say this stuff, memorize this stuff and then say it out loud. And if it works, if it works for the first time, I feel like I can do this forever. So I did it. It did. And here I am uh, years later. Was this in New York? Uh, no, I was in Florida. I grew up in, uh, I was born in Brooklyn, moved to Florida, raised there. And then I went to, um, and then after college, I um, 
went back to New York to kind of like do stand up and also just wanting to live in New York. So I got back there. Okay. So you went up the first time you had some, some jokes hit. Um, yeah. What was that like the the first time? (laughs) Tell me about your first time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she, her name was Tanya. Um, uh, it was weird. Uh, it was interesting because I was so nervous. I, I, I was like, preparing to do it. I was telling my friends, I told my friends that I had already done it for like a year before I had, because I was like, if I just keep lying about this, I'm going to have to do it eventually. So I was like (laughs) lying to like force myself into having to do it. And, uh, I was, you know, I just remember like my, I was working at a restaurant and they were like, Oh, we don't need you today. So I was like, all right. And I was just sitting around like, dude, I, I got to like make money. I got to like f- make a future or a life for myself somehow. I got to do something. So I started like writing the jokes down, like right, preparing this like five minute set. Um, I listened to this like Jerry Seinfeld tape or old CD. It's called Seinfeld on comedy. I don't know. There's a George Carlin one and a Jerry Seinfeld one. I listened to Jerry Seinfeld one and he was talking about his first tonight show. And he basically said that like he had rehearsed this whole bit and memorized it and was like, if you had punched me in the face uh, while I was doing it, I still could have done it. Cause I knew it back and forth. And I was like, uh, once I made the decision to do comedy, I was like, all right, if I go up the first time and bomb because I'm not prepared, that'll, it'll be so unfair to like, to, to my attempt. So I was like, let me memorize it and not, you know, at least I'll know what to fucking say up there. I'm sorry. Can I curse? <gasps> <laughs> yeah, you, 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 we can't. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so long story, even longer. I was, um, you know, I, I rehearsed this thing. I rehearsed my five minutes and then bef- like a week before I wanted to actually go up, I went to the open mic and, uh, there was a bunch of people there and like, uh, Austin's coffee shop and uh, they, they brought up this one dude and he was bad. Another guy who was bad. And then the third guy came up and they're like, this next comic man, he's been killing it all over town. All this, that like he's been doing it for a year. It's like, he's really getting there, man. This is one of Orlando's best. And then he comes up and he bombs and he eats it. And I was like, Oh, all right, I got this. <laughs> I'm like, if he's their best and I think I at least have a shot maybe. Hmm. And uh, so I went up, the next week. And it was like pretty good. I, if I watched it back now, it'd be awful. There's just no way it was good. But like for that night, it was, it it looked like I knew what I was doing. And, uh, the funny thing was the next night I went up to a different bar, uh, cut the other bar and it's like a pack. That was like the awesome open mic in Orlando. That was like a real show. So I went up there and, uh, I put my name on the list and at, I was like towards the end and they were like, all right, um, we're running out of time. So, um, so you're going to have to cut it down to three minutes when you get up there and there's two people after you. And I was like, I've only practiced five minutes and I don't know how to sh- cut it down. Like it's either five minutes or nothing. And <laughs> I just, so, so I went up there and they started giving me the light at like two minutes. I just kept going. Cause I didn't know how to stop. And I just kept going, kept going. And like, they had to like shut off the mic basically to, uh, <laughs> to get me off. And I wasn't like doing well or anything. I was just, I just couldn't stop. And then, I, and then the host came on stage and was like, all right, uh, we ran out of time. The open mic's done. So I just totally like destroyed two people's nights who had to go on after me. Oh <laughs> they waited like, the whole time. <laughs> dude, it was like the highest of highs the first night and then the lowest of lows the second night. It was like so awful. 
but that highest, the highest balanced it out. Cause obviously yeah. you had it. Oh my God. That first time I was like, I got home and I had to go like run on the treadmill. Cause I was just so jacked up. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Um, yeah, it's, it's helpful. Like there's that quote and I heard this on a podcast today. Comparison is the thief of joy, but like sometimes that can drive you. Um, like when you see people who are just not doing well, yeah. especially when you're, if you're like in your own head, you're like, should I do this? Like, when am I yeah. going to do this? Is tonight the night? And then you see, you know, you see the best in the, in the city bomb. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah, no, they, they okay, cool. <laughs> like, well, it's, it's important to see that. Like, uh, there's, there's a little bit of like, it's not as hard as you think it is, but it's not as easy. Like, I don't know what, I it's not as easy as you think it is, but it's also not as hard as you think it is. Like you shouldn't, like if you go to a, sometimes like I would be, uh, you know, sitting at home and be like, Oh my God, like there's comedy clubs that aren't, you know, that don't book me that like, you know, it's Thursday night and they're, they're probably packed and I wish I could be there. And you go on a Thursday night, it's like three people and you're like, Oh, it's like, you know, it's not as grand as it is in your head. And it's also not as, you know, awful as it is in your head. So, yeah. No People need to be romanticize it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Your, your mind can be your own worst enemy in terms of like what you think you can or can't do. Right. Yeah. I, I, I get that too. I mean, you know, you, you see people getting booked on shows and it's like, why am I not booked? Why am I not? Right. Like, show? like I deserve that show, but it's people who are like, have like years of experience and they're yeah. like, and also it's like a, you know, it's, you play a different instrument. They play tuba and they needed a tuba that night. You, you know, they play clarinet. So it's yeah. all fine. It's all good, man. Right. Right. There's enough for everybody. Yeah. That's the fallacy. Everybody thinks is like, there's not enough spots. And like, I don't know, there's plenty of comedy everywhere. There's a, there's a show somewhere. There's a, there's shows right down the street from the comedy cellar. Trust right. me. Right. This isn't the eighties where it's like, there's three networks. And yeah. Three shows that you can get on and that's yeah. It. They're <laughs> all, we're all trying to get on the tonight show. Yeah. You get on the tonight show. Once you're a star. <laughs> some people have this attitude like oh it's just an open mic but for me i've always tried super hard at open mics but it's always mm -hmm. like it always led to getting booked and then getting booked right. makes you better and then it kind of feeds into itself so that's true yeah um that's true and you guys did you guys start in cleveland or, or? Mm -hmm. right right are the how are the open mics there are they like packed they're like people or is it like kind of sad <laughs> there are a good amount of both we're lucky to have we over the years, we're lucky to have had a lot of shows that are kind of hybrid, uh, hybrid open mic showcase type thing. You have like a weekly show. It's a showcase, but you can kind of, you can get on. Yeah. If you, even if you're not booked and it's packed, right. But then you have all your sad open mics too. So it's a good mix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think it's good. Yeah. I, I think those are, that's like the best place to start and like being an open mic. Cause like, like when I started in Orlando, that's kind of how it was. Like the open mic, there's like an open mic at the Orlando Improv and you can get up there and there's like tons of people or whatever. But like when I came to New York, it's like, it's just comics in the room. And I, I was like, this is not how you want to start comedy. It's like, this is no way to get a gauge on if your material is going to work with like three other people in the crowd who are trying to do the same thing as you, who are on their phone the entire time, not listening. And you're like... Ah, man, like there's the, I, I remember I had like, there's like two or three like bit ideas that I tried to do at a New York open mic that, 
got a 0.0 and then later on I would see like somebody's like John Mulaney special or like you know a Chris Rock special where they had a very similar like premise and I was like damn it I was on the right track are you serious like I gave yeah. that up yeah uh, the yeah, good thing can. about that is you can have you have a joke where it goes you see something on TV and you're like well I can't use that but also you get the reassurance of going I exactly had something that could be on TV like you know <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you at least get the confidence boost right. like a year later after you threw it out. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's why like, you can't judge a bit off of those open mics, you know, yeah. um, work on it. Sure. But also I find like Steve runs a mic where, where if I get like two laughs in a five minute set, yeah, I'll, I'll focus on where those laughs came from and why was it just like, I played to the back of the room. I played to the mm -hmm. comics because you can't, you can't get too wrapped up in that either. Yeah. Because a lot of those jokes don't work, work at an audience. So I, I become comfortable with the silence at mics like that and, and yeah. like how to, how to work out my nerves that are telling me get off stage. Like you're bombing, you're bombing. This is terrible. But it's like, how am I going to get better if I, if this doesn't happen? Like, right. Yeah. And that's what, that's what those mics, that's what New York mics are the best that they get you comfortable with silence. And it's really, it's actually a really um, useful skill because it's like, you know, if he, if it gets a little quiet for a little too long, you got to be okay with it and just like either go into the next thing or just fucking just exist in the silence and just mm -hmm. be thoughtful for a second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good tip. Um, speaking of awkward silence, high school, you mentioned <laughs> in that, uh, <laughs> you mentioned in that, in that bit that we played, um, you know, you're awkward, you're introverted, you're religious. So, you know, was there, I mean, you said you always enjoy like making people laugh. Like, um, yeah. it was there ever a, a time that, that you remember specifically in high school, making, uh, making a room full of people laugh and thinking, Oh, this is, this is nice. This is cool. Well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't like, I, it's a little overstated on the album about like how religious I was. I was like religious after nine 11, I got like into like the book of revelation. So I was like, uh Oh shit is going down. We got like two days left on this planet. <laughs> uh, so I was like that and just getting into it. But, um, uh, I'm trying to think like I, the biggest one I can remember was like in uh, English class. I remember, um, we were talking about, it's like a fellow or something like that. We're, we were talking about somebody getting stabbed. And I don't know how my teacher allowed me to do this or even thought that I would be good for this. She was like, Christian, would you like to demonstrate uh, like a, how a stabbing would work or something? Which now in retrospect sounds racist as hell. Yeah. But uh, I remember I was like... I like we locked eyes and she knew I wanted to do it. And I just got up and like prison stabbed somebody and like threw the, <laughs> and threw whatever the pen or whatever I held at somebody else in the room to like, oh, here, hold this while I walk away. And that got like a huge laugh. And I was like, that's the kind of shit. I still remember it to this day, like almost like 20 years later, I'm like yeah. still eating off that story. I was like, ah, <laughs> so nice. I fucking unfollowable. Yeah. <laughs> no matter, no matter what happens yeah. in my life, I'll yeah. always have Othello. <laughs> I don't care if Eddie Murphy came in right after it wouldn't, he couldn't have followed. <laughs> Steve, did you ever have a moment like that? Like, what were you, uh, what were you like in high school? What was your, how would you describe yourself? And did you ever, you know, have what's a hilarious is I wasn't actually ready for a story because that reminded me of a story I did because of my English class, like we had these reports that we had to do orally and it was like, no, I'd like, I just wouldn't do them because I was so introverted and so fucking scared mm -hmm. going in front of the class that I would just flunk English 
yeah. all together, just completely tank the class because I just didn't want to do that shit. And then um, the weird thing was some girl uh, in that class, like some weeks after the reports were done, everybody was done giving their reports. And uh, she was like, she looked over at, I, at first I thought she was hitting on me. I think she was joking and she was probably making fun of me, but it was like, she was like, I had this dream that like you, like you were in my dream and you were talking to a bunch of people. <laughs> and I was like, at the time I'm like, wow, she's thinking about me in her dreams. But then in retrospect, I'm like, oh, she's making fun of how like I am afraid to talk in front of people <laughs> or something. I don't know. It seemed genuine. It didn't seem sarcastic and there was nobody there to laugh at it. So I don't, yeah. it's hard to gauge how, what the intent was there. But I just find it completely ironic that, you know, years later, I'm like, I have to talk in front of people and I want to do, I want to do uh, public speaking up to three nights a week, five or, or sorry, three times a night, up to five times a week, six times a week. And I'm, I love doing it now. It's very odd. Could so, she have been seeing your future? That's what I was also thinking. I'm like, was she like a, was it a premonition? But I, well, it sounds like she was hitting on you. <laughs> She's like, I mean, Hey, can you talk more stupid? I really want to uh, talk to you. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I yeah. It was painfully virgin uh, at the time. So, you know, <laughs> doesn't, I, you know. I totally get where you're coming from with like not doing assignments like that. I remember there was one, uh, I had a science class and we had to build a bridge out of popsicle sticks and uh, and the idea was that they were going to like put like this huge weight on the popsicle sticks and whoever's bridge uh you know lasted the longest under enormous amounts of weight would you know get an a or whatever it's the, the idea was just like bridge building and physics and all this stuff but he the, the teacher was like all right so build it on your spring break and then come back afterwards and we'll do that and i was like I'm not fucking doing homework on spring break. Fuck you. Right. So I just didn't do it. And he called me up and he's like, called me up in class and was like, so you didn't do the project? I was like, no. And he's like, how come? I was like, cause it's in spring break. I'm like, I don't ask you to grade papers. And he's like, but I do. I was like, but I didn't ask you to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a break. We're taking yeah, a break. It's like, I'm not going to, yeah, but I still got to see in that class somehow. That's, <laughs> it was a huge project too. In, in the back of his head, he was like, oh, he's right. He's right. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Is it like balsa wood or, or spaghetti? Like <clears throat> one of those. Just, he's like, I don't know. Popsicle sticks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what his idea was. <laughs> oh, it was toothpicks. Toothpicks. That's what it was. It was purely out of toothpicks. And I was like, I'm going to fucking buy a bunch of toothpicks for you. <laughs> right. So high school can be a polarizing topic for some people because some people had, uh, you know, it's 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 a formative period of our, of our lives where we're, we're trying to figure ourselves out. And there are some people... Uh, who figure themselves out by tearing down other people because um, they don't know, you know, it's, it's all human beings just feeling their themselves, uh, feeling themselves, feeling their way through life uh, without having a lot of information. And so like some people obviously would uh, uh, use status and use, um, I mean, just make other people feel bad about themselves. So they felt better. And uh, yeah. obviously, you know, that's, that's a big reason why a lot of people don't want to talk about high school. I have a friend of mine. It, she's ironically enough, a friend from high school. Uh, we, we still stay in contact and there are like, sometimes like we start telling stories about high school and she's like, I, I don't want to talk about this. Mm. Like, 
and, and I get it because, you know, she had a negative connotation with high school. So yeah. do you like, how would you describe high school uh, in hindsight? Like, obviously you do it on your album a little bit. Um, and as a comic, you move, you've moved on or, or at least yeah. funny in it. So I know I kind of look at it as like, um, uh, I don't, I don't have like any kind of PTSD about it or anything. I just more look at it. I just wanted to be out when I was there. I, I would skip class all the time and not to like do anything, not to do like drugs or smoke cigarettes or anything. I just didn't want to go. I was like, this is a waste of time. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I'd rather sit at home and play Zelda fucking 64, like Ocarina of time. I wasted <laughs> a whole day one time looking for fake, uh, uh, the fake Triforce on the internet one day. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I just, I just didn't want to be there, but like now in retrospect, I was like, in retrospect, I go, man, I, if I had my brain now, I, it would have been so fun. Like mm. if I knew that it didn't matter in any way or like didn't give a fuck what people thought at, in, by any means, just talk to whoever slapped whoever I wanted to, it would have been <laughs> the shit. Like, just not being afraid to get in a fight with anybody or like just even to talk shit to anybody or being, a, cause I didn't want to get like, I didn't want to get in trouble or anything. Like just get a detention. Who cares? Like, it's fine. I wish I would have known that, that kind of stuff because that's basically like, it's basically the message of Ferris Bueller. Just like fucking don't give a shit about high school. Cause the less you give a shit about it, the more fun you'll have. Right. We went to high school at a time when uh, detention actually meant something because now kids can just go on their phone and, well, yeah. no, I don't think they're allowed to probably. I'm sure they're not, but still, yeah. like, how do you stop them? Right. Yeah. Take their phones. Can they do that? Yeah. I also think I would have been a cooler kid if I had social media for the very thing. Like I would have probably like tweeted something kind of charming in high school because I was too afraid to like say it in class and then mm -hmm. people would be like oh dude I saw what you posted last night I'd say, or I would have just been violently bullied yeah exactly and they would have been like nerd I could kill yourself I'm like oh all right <laughs> yeah, you say I, I wish probably I, been that kid. Yeah, <laughs> you say it'd be great to have my brain now back then, but then you yeah. go back there and you find <laughs> yeah, out like I'm equally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just way lamer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. What about you, Steve? Um, hindsight, like, oh yeah, same you, thing. What would you do if you could go back to high school with your brain today? Oh, uh, try harder. Uh, but also why <laughs> at the same time, like I could try, I could do much better because I would realize that like my lack of patience was kind of like, you have so much time ahead of you that this doesn't matter as much as I felt like it was wasting my time at, at the moment, even though I was a kid and I was like, yeah, I'm wasting my childhood away with this high school bullshit. But, um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think I would have made, made more friends, I had a bit, I'm more sociable now than I was um, mm. a lot of things. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's a not care about what other people think. Like this doesn't matter. I think that's a yeah. common thread with a lot of people. Um, even though like, I know my parents tried to tell me that anytime I would get down about like somebody else's opinion of me, 
Yeah. It doesn't matter. It means every everything is so magnified back then because that's all you have. Like your world is so small that every little thing just seems so much bigger. Well, yeah. I mean, people go through that now. It's like if you have a day job, it's that's your whole world. It's the exact same thing. It's just like, oh my gosh, like they're gonna cut me out of the lunch fucking club. I, I don't know what they do at offices. Uh, but like <laughs> a lunch club. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it's just, it's a, I can't sit at that table. It's like everybody at this table is going to be in this town forever. Don't worry about it. Like yeah. I have this uh, bit on my album about, um, it, it is just crazy about like, everybody you went to high school with has a job now. Like they're members of society. And like, I went to high school with a kid named Eric and who's just a mess, did a lot of drugs, moved in with his like a drug dealer. Cause he got kicked out of his parents' house, tons of shit. And they had this party because they were getting evicted from their house. So they have a party to celebrate as you would. And, uh, uh, and I'm at the party and Eric is drunk and he has like, there's like this glass window pane on the ground. And he picks up the glass and he goes, I fucking hate this glass and just breaks it over his head and uh, blood everywhere. We had to take him to the hospital that night. He had 15 stitches and like, he still has a scar to this day. Like he's a pilot now. Like <laughs> it's just like crazy. Like he's almost an astronaut. Like we rely on him every day to ferry us safely across the fucking country in the world. And he's a maniac. You don't like, like you don't want to be, you don't want to be like getting, you know, knocked out by some doctor and be like, all right, count backwards from a hundred. And you're like, didn't I do whippets with this guy? Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. I'd rely on him to get, feed me gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might want to. I'm sure that that's what you meant. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are grown up whippets. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, because everybody comes into their own at their, at their own time. Like, yeah. You know, there was this, I went to a private, I went to a private high school and like anytime anybody did anything that was like bad, you could tell the teachers were like, oh, that kid's not going to amount to anything. Meanwhile, mm. he's like, you know, on the inverse of what you're saying, like, meanwhile, he's, you know, a doctor now, or he owns his own real estate company. Right. Like people develop at different times, th this ex expectation of leaving high school at 18 and knowing what you're going to do with your life and having your shit together. It's like, what yeah. world do you live in? Right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. one of the guidance counselors at my wife's school told her that she was going to, he's like, they're like, you should just prepare for, um, minimum wage jobs now. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now, yeah. So she's like the senior, uh, she's like a VP of HR in a big company. Now she's making way more than this. <laughs> Guidance counselor, I can assure you. Um, but like, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, you don't know what, what people were made of back at that time. So, no. But if you went to high school, my high school, I did know what you were made of and you were still at that high school. So, <laughs> yeah. I wonder what, uh, I wonder what's worse. I mean, I guess it depends on the person and what they say, but like, I don't know if like discouragement is the best thing, but also like if it, if it fed into her psychology and made her work harder, that yeah. would be a good thing. I don't know. That's something. Yeah, I know. That's true. Cause it's like, that's something that could cripple somebody emotionally. Like you don't know. It's like, that's either going to motivate you to the top or like just stunt you. If you like actually believe that about yourself. So, mm -hmm. well, I lucked out <laughs> or she lucked out. I definitely don't get motivated by people talking down to me. I get like, I feed yeah. into that, but also, 
it's weird though, because personal failure though makes me better at things, but other people telling me like I'm a loser does not have a positive impact on me. Oh really? Like it's yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of uh, the opposite, I guess. I just kind of, uh, it's funny. I remember I was working at a restaurant in Florida and when I was leaving to move to New York, I remember specifically one dude, he had like a lazy eye and he's, uh, he goes, uh, like it was like out of a movie. He goes, "You'll be back." <laughs> and I just go like, I just go like, in that situation, whenever somebody says something like that, I just go, "Yeah, you're probably right. You're you're probably right." And then I just, I obviously never came back. But it's just so, it's like if that guy needs that, then I'll give it to. You. I'll let I'll allow you to have that. You can have it. I, I'm never. We're never gonna talk again. It'll be fine. <laughs> Who am I to ruin your day? Exactly. Like you, you'll be here. I'm moving on and, uh, you know, just enjoy it. And I'll allow if it helps you sleep at night that I'm coming back, just hold on to that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny to see. And and in that guidance counselor's case, like people have this habit of, of like putting their experiences onto you so that yeah, you'll be back. That's true. I like, if he were to ever leave, he would probably have in the back of his mind, like, I'm probably going to go back. So yeah, that's you know. true. And people do that in comedy too, where they're like, Oh, mm-hmm don't, you shouldn't talk about that stuff. And what they're saying is like, you shouldn't talk about that stuff or do the show that you're doing or do the jokes that you're doing. Cause I tried and it didn't work. Mm. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's basically it. And you know, fuck it. You just got to do what you got to do. Right. Do what's right for you. Right. Right. Yeah. Everybody's opinion is, is based from their perspective and you can't take it too personally, but you know, if it, when it comes to that in high school, like some people would take that, that feedback from that counselor and use that to drive them. Uh, But other people, it would totally shut them off. Um, And that, that's the beauty of like, of existence, man. Like everybody (laughs) takes everything differently. That's, that's what's so cool about a joke is because if you can, if you can get an entire room to laugh at at that joke, everybody's laughing at it for a different reason based off of their own experience, their own perspective, which is so cool to me. Yeah. I mean, it is really like just one of the greatest things. I remember when I first, first started just like the idea of like trying to manipulate a couple words to be like, all right, I I just want to get what's in my head into your head. And that laugh of recognition, when it gets there, you're like, ah, this is the, (laughs) this is the, this is the money. Because if you're like, like a kid, I, I don't know how, uh, uh, you guys are Steve, you obviously said it, but like, if you're like an introverted person and uh, you get that reaction of like uh, recognition of like uh, uh, acknowledging something is true that is, you know, that you thought you were alone in, it's like the, the shit you're like, Oh, I'm not so weird after all. I'm not so alone after all. For you sure. <laughs> I think the weird thing about comedy is this kind of unrelated to what we're talking about, but well, kind of, but like, it's weird how like, you have the potential to do anything with comedy. Like you can literally, like, it's up to you. You can literally say the funniest thing that's ever been said, but you got to think of it first, but it's like you, (laughs) you you can do it. It's possible. You just have to like, I don't know. It's weird. It's just weird how it's like right there, but you still have to like make it happen. Yeah. You have to put in the work. It gives you a lot of like hope, but you also have to like, you know, follow through with it. That's true. It does take a, takes a lot of just 
brain work. work. I mean, brain work. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, there's guys that can just like go up there and riff and stuff. And I have, I, I, one friend of mine is like just particularly good at it. I'm like, I'm just in awe of that. But like, you know, I heard Neil Brennan talk about it one time. He's like, my, um, my talent is that I work hard. And I was like, yeah, that, that I get that. It's like, my superpower is that I work really hard. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, I kind of write that sometimes. I'm like, you're not good enough to not work hard mm. um, when it comes to stand up. So I feel like riffing is one of those things where it's kind of like Luke Skywalker with the, the, the thing over his head and you can't see what he's yeah. doing. <laughs> but you just have to trust yourself to, be, yeah. to like, to do it without knowing where it's going to go. Um, I mean, obviously it's a skill too. Or just a, you know, like you were saying, like, it's just kind of like an innate ability or whatever. I don't know if it's an, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, it's just kind of, half of it, I think, is people are just like clam up at the thought of it. And so when they try to do it, it can be very difficult. And then they'll be like, I don't think I'm good at that. But really, it's just about relaxing. Yeah. Calming your brain down on stage. Yeah. If you're not the, if you're not the kind of person that goes, hey, what do you, what do you guys, what do you guys, black? You guys, uh, what are you guys, uh, Indian or something? If you're not that person in real life, it's like, and you try to do that, it's not going to work. You really yeah. just have to be authentically yourself. And uh, I, I noticed the time I'm kind of, uh, I'm like fairly almost at, at fault, like polite in, um, in social situations, like polite to a fault. So I feel like when I'm like that on stage, I can kind of get a good reaction and like riff because I'm just like, I'll, I'll ask somebody, can I ask you if you're dating or like, I don't want to offend you. Like yeah. when I'm like that normally, like if I do that on stage, I can tell it'll be okay. Like they'll kind of forgive me because I'm not trying to be like, what are you guys? Leses? Cause I would never say that to somebody in real life. Like, if you're just, you know, if you're kind of authentically there and, and I've talked to one of our friends who's like, sometimes it's just like, there's just something in the room. There's like some kind of like a fog in the room that like everybody picks up on. And like, if you can just tap into that and say the exact thing that everyone's thinking at that exact same time, it's magic and it's money, but you really got to be dialed into how the room's feeling and, you know, have everybody trust you at the same time. Mm, I agree with that being authentic. I think that's the easiest way for anybody to do comedy is not try to go against your own natural grain. If you can tap into what you're good at, I think you'd yeah. be so much better with so much, so little effort compared to mm-hmm. trying something different where yeah. yeah, you can develop that skill, but you're going to be working so much harder to get the same amount of like comedic, you know, yeah. ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you were saying earlier, Steve, about, um, you know, believing in yourself, like that comes with the work. Uh, yeah. it, it comes easier, like knowing what angle you're going to take on a joke that comes easier, the more work you put in, like you create, you know, these new neural pathways where it just the, the ease of, uh, of coming up with a, a punchline, like you come up with a premise, you're like, oh, that's really funny, but I don't know how to communicate that with people. The more time and effort that you put into it, the quicker that'll come. And, um, and the more, com- like the more comfortable you are with yourself as a performer, like, you know, your voice, you know, who you are on stage and the Christian, like you were saying, like when it comes to, uh, to crowd work, like, you know, when somebody's trying to be funny versus, you know, when somebody's being themselves yeah. and being in the moment. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to, 
to, to try to be funny because it's like, quick, come up with something funny. But if you're in a conversation with somebody, which is what you're doing with crowd work, and you're like, yeah. quick, say something funny, the people that are going to be with you aren't going to hang out with you much longer because it's like, oh, great. Here's Christian. Yeah. He's trying to be funny again. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, just, you know, if you're just honest on stage, if you just, however you're feeling, you should probably say it because it'll get some kind if you don't feel good about the set, then it might even help you to say that you don't feel good about just being honest. I remember one time I, I, it was a comedy club that I've done in Connecticut before. And it's like a pack room. They like paper the room. So it's always just like an awesome show. They're always like, 150, 200 people in that room. And, uh, it's just always good. They're just always there to have a good time. And I'd done it before like twice. And it was just like a good time. I had good sets every time. And I came on stage and the whole show was going well. And for some reason, this is not something I ever say, but I just look at the crowd. I was like, I think this is going to go well. (laughs) And it got this huge laugh. And I was like, after even I was like, why did I just say that? And I was like, cause I felt it. Cause I was like, I think this is going to go well. And, uh, it did <laughs> and, uh, awesome. it worked out. Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. it helped it too. It helped, it helped the set. Cause right then they were excited about what was coming and I could just go in there and be like, I think this, this stuff usually works. So let's, let's just have fun with it. And right. it's just, just worked out. So yeah. just establishing that you're on the same wavelength with everybody. Yeah. That, yeah. That way. Yeah. Or if something's in the room, it's like somebody got kicked out earlier. <laughs> Always mention that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. whatever's going on. That's interesting too. Cause I mean, if you think about being in high school, like that's the last thing that you're comfortable with because you don't know yeah. who you are. You don't know like what you believe. You don't know like your voice. So being authentic and, and like drawing attention to, Oh, that didn't go well. Like that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And you dwell on everything. Mm -hmm. You dwell on the stuff that like, you know, I still think about when I was in third grade and like I peed my pants in front of the (laughs) class. You just go like, like, I wouldn't want to see any of those kids again. Like as adults, I just like, sometimes I'll be brushing my teeth. I'm like, Oh man, I fucking peed my pants in that class. Like (laughs) at this age, it's just, no one is thinking about that. No one has considered that in years and years, unless I go to my reunion and they're like, Oh, you're the kid that pisses pants. Aren't you? (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's again about just not giving a shit about high school. just being able to just, you know, walk through it and breeze through it without, you know, dwelling on it too much and just having fun. If you can, if you can, um, extrapolate yourself from the, the, um, situation or the, the experience, uh, as much as you can and just kind of look outside of yourself, you'll have a much better time. Yeah. I, I never, I never made the connection. I have a habit of trying to like draw analogies uh, from like everyday life to stand up comedy or like metaphors to stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like in high school, you're trying to fit in. So it's, it's the equivalent of like trying to be funny. Yeah. Like, you're not being yourself and you're trying to like adapt who you are to a certain group. Like if you're forcing it, yeah, it, you're not going to fit in just yeah. like, you know, you, you've got, of course, you have to like meet the audience where they are. Sure. Yeah. But if you're forcing it, you're never going to connect. Yeah. It's like, if you go to a black room and you start going, what's up y'all? What's up? If you don't talk <laughs> like that, it's not. What you mean? Yeah. What's up Cleveland? What's cracking y'all? Like, if you don't like, I don't talk like that. So I'm not going to like, you know, drop my A's and stuff like, you know, yeah. um, 
I'll just go be myself. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you know, you just gotta be your authentic self and not, cause that comes from fear. And that's what that is. It's just like, you're afraid of being judged for what you are, which is the most high school thing ever. Um, yeah. You're afraid of being judged for who you are. And you try to like appease whoever's in front of you at that moment, rather than just go like, look, I'm, uh, dude, if you're white and you accept that you're like not black whatsoever in a black room, they'll love you. That's it. <laughs> if you, yeah. like you, you'll become the mascot as Bill Burr once said, you'll like, you'll just, they'll love you and just be like, Hey, I'm token white guy in this room. They're like, all right, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll give you a break. Mm-hmm. So do you think that uh, one of the reasons why high school brings, brings, uh, traumatic memories or, you know, negative feelings with people. Is it because that the same elements are at play still every day in everybody's life, people trying to be who they aren't to get something or to, to win approval or to not get kicked out of the tribe? Um, I think that, I think it's probably more of like, I, I would think that somebody just had like a traumatic experience about like, trying to fit in at that time and maybe they feel better about themselves now. And they're like, I can't believe I wasted all this time Mm -hmm. doing that and feeling um, hurt about those feelings rather than just going like laughing them off or going, dismissing them like, ah, well I should have done that better. But like sort of letting those feelings bog them down instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I think that brings up a lot of issues with people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the best thing to do is just go like, yeah, that was me. Try to laugh it off. I mean, that's what I, I, that's where that bit came from about all that high school stuff. Like that stuff was like stuff that I wouldn't want to tell anybody. Mm -hmm. And if you turn it into a bit and let other people laugh at it, it just, it makes it so much easier to deal with. And you just laugh at yourself about it because again, it's like, nobody cares. No one remembers that stuff. Like everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody's worried about themselves and like, nobody's thinking about you. It's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. You do have your people who, who haven't left their hometown though. So that it's very real. Well, that, well, those are the people where high school was awesome for them like that's they're just holding on to that like yeah they still go to the 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 football games every friday yeah you know the people that peaked in high school that's yeah yeah, i I, i'm so glad i watched enough movies and stuff as like a kid probably movies that i shouldn't have seen where i knew that that was like a thing that there was like a guy who was going to be the town guy who was like the (laughs) shit in high school who just who was going to be the 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 guy who worked at his dad's used car lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he was never going to leave. And I was lucky enough to know that like, you didn't have to care about that guy now because he's not going to be anything in 10 years or whatever. Right. So I, I don't know if everybody has that. I don't know if anybody had, I don't know if everybody had HBO when they uh, <laughs> went to uh, high school at the time. Yeah. They're the, they're, they're, they're the wrestling coach now. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could have made state. <laughs> there's plenty of people that weren't yeah. at my high school that went to my high school, which more yeah. power to them. But I could. Yeah. I could never do that. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, now I've been in New York long enough now that I want to leave. But like, mm-hmm. I'm glad I. I'm glad I left. I'm glad I went elsewhere to do other things. It's like life's too short to stay in Palm Bay, Florida. Know. Yeah, but right. every once in a while, you'll, you'll get reminded of those uh, those moments in high school and, and the things that have happened. And that's going to take us into 
another clip from your album. Um, this is the, uh, the, I have it on another document. I have so many things everywhere in front of me. Jeremy, it's the other clip that the second clip that I sent you. I've been looking up people from uh, Facebook. One person in particular, this girl named and the reason I looked her up, well, I should have changed her name for this album. Uh, the reason I looked her up was, <laughs> I just occurred, just bleep that. Like, just bleep whatever name I said there. Uh, she, uh, she was one of the most popular girls in high school. And, uh, <laughs> oh shit. Uh, she was one of the most popular girls in high school, right? And as we've established, I was invisible in high school, right? And uh, on the last five minutes of high school, my la the last five minutes of my senior year, this kid came up to me, Greg Warner, he goes, I should have changed his name too. Uh, he comes up to me, <laughs> he comes up to me and he goes, I heard a rumor that you got head from <laughs> and I was like, what? Why am I finding out about this now? You know how much social capital you could get from that through high school if people think that the hottest girl in school is blowing you? That's crazy. That's like, that's like finding out you owned a bunch of blockbuster videos in the 90s today. Like, there's nothing you can do with that information. It's worthless. So he told me about that, the bell ring, and I could do nothing with it. So I looked her up recently, and I started messaging her. Uh, she's dating a girl now, which is great. And uh, I was messaging her. I was like, hey, how are you doing? Is it like me from high school? She's like, oh, I see you do a comedy and shit. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's going okay. And uh, she's, you know, we go back and forth. And at some point, I asked her, you know what? Before I get off, I, I want to ask this question. And I go, hey, did you ever hear a rumor about us? And she goes, that I gave you head? And I was like, yeah? And she goes, yeah, I made that up. I was like, why'd you do that? And she goes, well, I was very uncomfortable with my sexuality. I didn't want anybody to know I was a lesbian in high school. So I just made up a lie that so people would think I was straight. And I was like, oh. I was like, well, why'd you pick me? <laughs> and she goes, I don't know. I just picked a gay kid from prom. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I figured if people thought he was getting blown, he wouldn't shoot up the school. Like, a weirdo kid. <laughs> the, the audience didn't give that joke what it deserved. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Thanks. Well, thank you. Uh, That's a good yeah. callback. You know what sucks about that is I, we recorded that. And then like a week later, the album was done. And then like a week later, I went into Jersey and did pretty much that material because it was like still, I still had an hour to do. And I did all that material and it fucking killed harder than, it was like better than the album show. And I was like, damn it. Like even um, my producer was like, oh man, I kind of want, <laughs> it'd be kind of nice if we got this show. And uh, that was one of the bits that I was like, ah, it would have been nicer to get. But yeah, they were, they were a little light on that one. But uh, that was one that was, uh, that was consistently doing well and that I think that night is just you can never you never know what it's going to be when you record something like that right, right I'll tell you what if I ever record whenever when I well uh, David you know yeah. <laughs> it took me a minute uh, Bill Bill I was like what's this happening only episode Am I paralyzed like nine. <laughs> so, Bill, Bill was Bill offered to like help produce one of my albums or an, an album but then you know COVID hit but I think I'm still gonna do it I just yeah. need to like get the momentum back going but anyways what I'm gonna say what I'm saying is uh, I would like to record like 
four recordings. I mean, yeah. I will record it myself with all my own gear and shit like that. So that way I can have the control freak, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. aspect of it. And then, uh, you know, if the first one goes well, yeah, like I'll, you know, but it, I'll try it again, see, and then pick one. Because yeah. I'm like way too insecure to record a one-off. Thing. Yeah, no, I mean, what well, we did too. And like, I, uh, the first, the thing was like the first audience was not as big as the second audience. And mm-hmm. so it's like, there's like a trade off of like, well, this did really well, but this sounds fuller. Um, mm-hmm. so sometimes like, so there's some tracks that are from night one, some tracks from night two, but like, there's a couple that are like, I mean, this one just sounds better, but like the laugh is, is, you know, like half is nice. Like the other one has people screaming, but this one has like, it sounds really full. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. You got to pick and choose your battles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wish, uh, yeah, I wish we could have done like four nights. That would have been amazing, but mm-hmm. I'm not that big of a draw, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the, the, I mean, it was, it's a great book end to the bit. I mean, it has a clear beginning and a clear end, uh, from, you know, the beginning of talking about you were in high school all the way to the end. Um, mm comes together great so where um take us through the the construction of that bit like when was the moment you were like oh i'm gonna talk about high school and like take us through that process of figuring out what aspects of high school because that's i mean that's four years of so much stuff happening yeah um you know how did you pick out the 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 pieces that you did um I, I don't, I, I kind of don't remember, like as far as the, the first stuff, um, I think the first high school bit I ever did was about what I just told you, Eric, Eric in high school. And that was always just like a, a interesting idea to me because I remember when I first started and when I like year one or two, I was like, all right, when I do my hour, it's going to have a bit about like race and technology and politics and other, and that was like the Eric thing was going to be like my social media bit. And then it just became something else. Um, but yeah, that was like one of the first ones. And then I started trying to like, I, I really don't know. It was just more like, I was just talking about things from my past and like funny, just looking for little funny tidbits. And then those started coming together. And, uh, the prom thing was like, I think something like an actual thing I just told my wife and uh, it, it's just, uh, I just thought that was just so funny and like a pretty re- like not relatable, but definitely like a likable kind of joke to tell about like something that really happened to me. And it's kind of an int- like a funny little bit. Um, and then it was really just taking like all those separate ideas and then just putting them all together like that, um, that joke about, the girl in high school. I almost said her name this time. Um, <laughs> we just beep it. Yeah. <laughs> the, so <laughs> that one came, that one was a pretty, the joke that came pretty late. And I feel like you, uh, now when I listen to that, I can hear how, how, like how much later that came than all the other ones. It's like, there's a lot of stammering and like long stretches of not much going on. Um, but uh, yeah. And then once I had that, because I was just doing that bit about like, the religious in high school and, um, and, uh, all that stuff before. And then once that came, once I had that, I just figured I was like, Oh, I could totally put that in and it all works. And it's all like about high school and like rat put a bow on it. Um, with the, um, the prom thing. And, um, 
yeah, it kind of worked out. I think it, it kind of, it's one of the few bits that I have that kind of doesn't just trail off and die. Like most of my bits <laughs> just end with like, anyway, um, let's go on to something else. But that's yeah, like one on. where I actually have kind of a callback. Yeah. 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 That's it, it's, it's good. Um, and, and the beginning, like the prom part, like, when you say that you went by yourself and then you had a friend that went by yourself and then you gave him a ride, I feel like the audience didn't catch that. But the second you said that I laughed, I was, <laughs> yeah. I was walking my dog listening to your album um, a couple of weeks ago when I reached out to her before I reached out to you. And, um, and, and the second you said that I was like, Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you play into the, the naivete of, of like being a kid and, yeah. and, you know, not realizing what you're actually doing as you're doing it until somebody actually puts it in front of you. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, that's definitely, again, now that you say that, it was like that audience was, was like a little bit like, they were a little slow on the uptick, like with a couple of things on that album. But like that one was usually when I got to that point, people go, uh, like they're ahead of me. And it was one of my favorite things in stand up is when the audience is a little bit ahead of you. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I love when people have that reaction. But yeah, that's, that's one of those things too. It's like, all right, once they're getting there and then you, you hit them with that thing and ah, it's a great, great feeling when it works. Absolutely. But here's the thing though, if the audience is ahead of you, like in that case, it's great because it's not the punchline. They're not ahead of you getting the right. punchline. Yeah. This is part of the setup. This is like, now they want to know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Whereas if they're ahead of you, if they know what the punchline is before you get there, it's the total opposite reaction. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, playing that, that fine line. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one of those things where if you read like the premise of an episode or something, you want to know what happens next. So you play right. that episode. Yeah. And that's one. And again, like that's another one that came pretty late later on, I should say um, towards recording the album. Like if I had, if I wasn't recording so soon after I would probably would have fleshed that out like a little more. I think in that one, you can kind of hear there's like, it's, it's like a good idea and it ends, it ends pretty strong, but like, like I feel like I could have done a lot more with that. I, I think next time, next album, I really want to go like joke, just like knockout punch after knockout punch. If I can just like joke, 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 no room for air. That's the biggest thing I hear on this album now that I would change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's good to, it's good to live because, you know, when you think of things like high school, you go back and you're like, oh, I wish I would have done this differently. Yeah, I would have yeah. done this differently. But when you look back at your work, it's like, oh, I can do this differently for the next right. one. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm very proud of this album, but I mean, like anything you do, you're just going to have naturally things that you don't like about it. I just, I remember when we were putting it together and we had to edit it. Um, the, my producer uh, was like, hey, we should, um, can you just listen to it and send it back? I was like, can we listen to it together? Cause I can't just sit in my room and listen to myself because it's not going to work. <laughs> so like we, we got into a room and we're sitting there listening and Aaron's just like watching me. He's like, do you think this sucks? I was like, no, I think I suck. I think this is fine. I just like, I hate myself. So I can't, <laughs> cause I was just like, like hands in my, uh, or face in my hands the whole time, listening back to it. Just like, Oh, I hate myself. I hate myself. That's a good laugh. I hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> you have a, you have a good learning curve then I guess. Cause I'm the same way. Like I hate, I hate anything I've ever done. And yeah. so and so that just means that you're always going to be pushing the envelope because if you're happy, you're going to get complacent. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like it's weird. It's like, I do, uh, 
it's weird because I'll if I'm the fact that I put it out is like enough for going like I think this is good, mm-hmm. but at the same time you do have that dynamic of like is it though I don't know like I think I suck just because I know myself but <laughs> I think these jokes are okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think yeah, there's a lot of things definitely uh, definitely delusional in a good way not in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. You gotta be. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You gotta be a little delusional because this is the most insane career path to want to (laughs) choose. To be like, hey, everybody shut up. I'm going to talk for an hour. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And pay. Yeah. (laughs) Pay me, yeah. Yeah, what I have to say is so important. Let me tell you about my prom. Fuck (laughs) your prom. We're going to talk about mine. Yeah, especially the prom show. (laughs) Like, fuck your prom. (laughs) Uh, have you done have you done a prom show I think I did I don't even remember I think I did at least one and it wasn't great I mean you're just looking at these kids and they like I I'm not a dude who has stuff for them like I'm not a dude who's like all right you have a fucking chick and then she squirts on you like that's what they're looking for I'm like I I got a bit about politeness like (laughs) like, (laughs) I got nothing for you kids I'm so sorry like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm about to have a kid and I'm like I don't know what I'm going to talk to him about like I, I don't I'm not like a a person that like is good with kids in the sense that like I know what to, how to talk to them. So this should be an interesting endeavor. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think a theme that will always translate is just the awkwardness of searching for who we are, like in mm-hmm. high school that carries over to today, you know, uh, nobody ever really, I mean, very few people really come to, to a deep understanding of who they are as a human being. Um, right. I mean, you can keep digging and, and finding new layers of yourself. And that's, you know, that's, that's how material like this develops, you know, as you, yeah. you know, you listen back, you're like, oh, like, I'm proud. I'm glad that I did that. It's done. I know how to do it next time. But like, now I want to explore this facet and this, like, yeah. Um, whereas, you know, in high school, it's, you're, you're new to, to the world and, I sometimes wonder what it would be like to have that same mindset today. Like how would I approach the things that I'm facing today? And like, where can I find the humor in that? Because sometimes that helps me avoid yeah. doing that. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is just to give yourself a break. Uh, just don't be so hard on yourself. Honestly, it's, it's basically, you got to forgive yourself and forgive everybody else because we're all doing this for the first time. Nobody's got to figure it out. No, everybody's scared. Everybody's, you know, worried what you're thinking about them. It's just, you know, give yourself a break, be able to laugh at yourself. If you make a stupid decision or you make a really bad, you know, if you make a dumb move we all make dumb moves just go like yeah i made a dumb move and here's my here's how here's how stupid it was yeah uh, <laughs> you know like uh, whatever it is if you, you 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 know fell in the punch bowl at prom or whatever i don't know whatever mm-hmm. whatever humiliating scars you have uh, if you wear them like a badge of honor you you know they can't hurt you mm-hmm. you can overpower that shit and you know you can get deeply depressed about shit that you did in your life, but fuck it, man. Just, you know, it's basically just forgiving yourself, accepting yourself. And I don't know why I'm turning into fucking Tony. Who's the guy that does Tony the, Robbins, Tony Robbins. Yeah. I almost called it said <laughs> Tony Monroe. That's how with it I am. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's really just about like, just 
you know, someone said the person that you are at 30 is going to be the, is the person you're going to be your whole life. And up to 30, I was like, Oh man, I was like, I don't, I got to change this. I got to change that. And once I was 30, I was like, yeah, this is who I am. I don't like, I don't like social situations. I don't like, it's not that I don't like people. I just, nah, I'm just not going to fucking go to parties and chat up people. I'm like, that's just who I am. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not going to like go, I'm going to change that about myself. It's like, no, I'm just going to accept it about myself. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be the guy in the corner and I'm going to be happy about it. And that's going to be it. Just it sucks that we have to network it. in this business too. Sorry, David. You're just like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It, it like, cause like people, like, yeah, like you and me, I just, I'm not too socially inclined. I'm good with yeah. people, but I don't like a lot of people and I'm not like always trying to just, I do not like sucking people's dick over. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to try and yeah. get my wiggle weasel my way into things. I don't right. do that. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. I, I, I have that same feeling because it feels gross and you feel like I'm only talking to this person to get something. Right. But the thing is you got to find, um, you just got to be genuinely, you just got to find a genuine reason that you're interested in that person. Just be like, cause we're, you know what, at the end of the day, like I have this head thing. I'm a head case about that shit too. It's like, you just got to go like, um, I don't know, sports. Do we both like sports? Do we like, uh, fucking Marvel movies, uh, pro wrestling? I don't know what we both like. We'll find it somewhere. Or like just, Hey man, I like your fucking jeans or something. <laughs> like if you actually do though, but like, you know, you just got to find something to, I mean, comedy is actually, yeah. I mean, comedy is kind of easy to like in comedy circles. It's kind of easy because comedians love talking about themselves and all you really have to do. And one thing I've learned is like, all you have to do with comedians to go, a, I like your bit or B just go, what are you working on? And they'll fucking tell you <laughs> like, and just give them an ear, man. People like people who listen to them. Yeah. We've, we've done this for, um, I mean, God, this will be, you'll be our damn near 60th guest. We've never run into a situation where it was like, well, now what do we talk about? (laughs) You know, it's always been like one thing after the next, after the next. And I mean, that, that's the thing is comedians are not like people just love to talk about themselves. If you can find that one thing that makes somebody's eyes light up, like, yeah, yeah. Me in my case, me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. But if you guys want to talk about pro wrestling, I'm totally in. So let's do it. (laughs) I'm on board. Yeah. No, we we only have a few minutes left. So (laughs) otherwise I'd say, let's go, let's go. Oh, you don't have another two hours. All right. Yeah. It's WrestleMania (laughs) season and they're dropping the ball again. All right. Thank God. (laughs) WrestleMania redo, baby. WrestleMania redo. (laughs) Poor Drew Um, (laughs) McIntyre. What's that? I know, poor Drew McIntyre. I can hijack this podcast real quick if you want. Yeah, yeah. Let's, we'll do a wrestling episode. I'm sure we'll have you back. Um, it's it's so funny how many comics are into pro wrestling. That that was something that I didn't. Uh, There's something about pro wrestling comedy. I mean, just the fact that like if you're a certain age. You probably watch it if when Stone Cold and The Rock were coming up. Mm-hmm. And now there's also like when you get into comedy, I think there's something about comedians that they wish they could be a heel and go up on the mic and just go, mm-hmm. you fucking people suck. Fuck you. <laughs> like yeah. you trash people. Uh, but it doesn't work at all in comedy. Like I think comedians want to be a heel. And there's also the entertainment and there's sort of a similar lifestyle and traveling on the road and doing this weird character. Mm, that's, that's that's like if you're John Cena, you're playing John Cena, but he's not really like that off stage. Like, you know, 
like you're playing David Horning, but I don't know if you're really like that. Like when you're on stage, are you exactly David Horning off stage? Uh, in, in some aspects, <laughs> yeah, exactly. not exactly. Yeah, exactly. You got to put a little mustard on it, right? Yeah, you got to sure. take it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, if I, if I talk to people, like I talk to audiences on stage, um, <laughs> they'd be like, all right, cool. This guy's, yeah, no. Th- why are we talking about <laughs> manatees? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That was one of my favorite things ever. I saw this, uh, comic, um, uh, this comic was, uh, he was pissed because, you know, like some a host will bring you on. They go, uh, this next comic's been on VH1, MTV or whatever it is. And like every now and then somebody will just, if you don't have credits, somebody will just make up credits for you, which I'm like, I've never cared about. But for some reason, this guy goes, oh, this next guy's been on MTV or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And the guy comes up and goes, I wasn't on MTV. <laughs> and then he does like his bit about like raping a manatee. And I'm like, who cares if you're, not? you're talking about raping a manatee? Did you do that? that it's like the mtv thing is like way better yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know you can go to jail for for yeah, touching a man exactly. let alone penetrating one i don't want to lie to the audience like yeah <laughs> gives a shit right. and then he talks about <laughs> i just don't want mtv getting in trouble <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude i think it's so funny like comics who want their credits to be just right. Like, make sure you get my oh, credits. Like, oh. they, the audience isn't going to be like, hold on, I'm going to look you up and, and like, be your biggest fan. Like, they're not, they don't care. Like, when Chris Rock shows up at the Comedy Cellar, he doesn't go, hey, uh, can you tell them uh, I was in head of state? Yeah. He, just goes, <laughs> he goes, don't tell them I'm Chris Rock, basically, yeah. until I'm yeah. on stage. It's always the guy who is like, who was on an episode of house of cards who wants you to know he was on house of cards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, he was, and he was a background actor for like, five exactly. Seconds. Yeah. 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 He, exactly. he, like handed, uh, he, he just like handed Claire some files. <laughs> yeah. <away. laughs> we had like, more oh. time. I'd rant about background actors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aren't we all background actors in someone else's life? Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Room <and> show. <laughs> Um, man. So let's, let's, let's close it out. Uh, as far as like, you know, somebody who's, uh, who's working on a bit about how, when they were in high school, uh, yeah. what is a piece of advice that you would give somebody who's trying to find the funny in, in their high school experience and communicate that with others? Be honest, uh, be specific, um, and be specific. Most importantly, be specific about your feelings about w- the situation. If you do that, people will relate to it. If you tell, you know, if you have a crazy story about, you know, how you, I don't know, killed a man in high school. If you tell what you felt about it, people will be compelled Yeah. rather than just mm-hmm. telling a stupid story about, you know, whatever I made a touchdown in high school. Like you got to find a way to make that story interesting to other people. Why? That, that's basically what it is. It's like figure out what's interesting to you about it and mm-hmm. find a way to get that information from your brain to somebody else's brain. Very good. Um, do, you, do you think people should be held accountable for what they did in high school today? Um, did you see that uh, the editor in chief of Teen Vogue got canned yeah. because of tweets from when she was 17? Yeah, that's a little, that's a little unfair. Um, that's a little unfair. I mean, you got to give people a break, but you know, it's people are, people are looking for scalps. 
Unless you're the Kenosha shooter, I think you deserve a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. If you're you know, a Columbine kid, you might want not want to. Uh, it's like, what were you doing when you were 17? I was planning a mass execution. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you might want to give oh. those guys life, but yeah, he's just he's just right. a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I had Twitter back then, like I was saying, I'd be such a great person. <laughs> I'd be so much more popular, but I'd be so much more cancelable right now. Like, infinitely yeah. more cancelable if I had Twitter and when I was My 17. My Facebook statuses from when I was in college are awful. I couldn't even imagine my high school ones. Like, Dude, like, you, but that's the thing, though. It's like, the, the, the thing that was like, the... <sighs> the limits of what was acceptable was so different. Like you got to understand when I went to high school, like Maxim was like cool, like, like, like celebrities, like Jessica Alba posed for like Maxim, (laughs) like like high class celebrities were like basically naked. And it was like awesome. And American pie was like the number one movie. And the whole thing, like we always joke about this in our podcast where like 2002 was like puddle of mud and like, Budweiser commercial were like and twins like a joke in 2002 was like sex with twins is the best like <laughs> it's like the highest <laughs> sexual mark you could get is like having sex with twins yeah that's yeah different <laughs> so times like, man so give people from that generation a break yeah yeah, yeah that's fair that's fair G- uh, a good message <laughs> from our guest Christian Duran uh, Christian plugs what are you working on where can we find you on social media uh, Christian Duran SVP on Instagram, uh, C Duran Duran on Twitter, Christian Duran comedy.com for all your Christian Duran needs. My cartoon feature Hall of Famers <laughs> is on there. Uh, King Latifah is on Spotify, iTunes, all your streaming platforms. Just check that out. Make sure it's Christian with no H. Um, and yeah, I'm working on more cartoons, more stand up when we can actually do real stand up. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and the Oh Dear podcast. Um, uh, if you listen to this podcast, you probably heard Brett Rabeld on. Um, and, uh, he and I and my other friend, Nick Whitmer, every week we talk about the things that would make your mother clutch her pearls and go, Oh dear. Um, so yeah, check that out. Oh dear podcast and all your streaming stuff. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you joining us, Steve. Anything Mm -hmm. else you want to throw in? I don't have any parting words. No parting words. <laughs> but I enjoyed words. this podcast, right. so it was, it, was, it was fun. I I agree. I agree. And uh, Christian, thank you for joining us to help mm-hmm. us prove that uh, no matter how traumatic it could have been, no matter how awkward and, and a learning experience it was, whether you're reading your Bible in your car or uh, <laughs> going with a, another guy to prom and not realizing the optics of it, you can. <laughs> See, I would be a hero now. Like, you, would be. you would be. I was a pioneer, actually. You would yeah. be. And we just proved that you can laugh at that. <laughs> Special thanks to Gold Knox Studio. You can find Golden Ox Studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com. Uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if you're if you've been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Golden Ox Studio a look. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod, or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That, and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right, bye.